What is up? Welcome back uh, for another great episode. Got my friend Sons of Silver, great LA rock band, a super group, mind you, uh, that uh, we have a great conversation about rock and roll, great sounding records, songwriting, all sorts of fun stuff. It's going to be awesome. Wherever you're at right now, hit subscribe, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, whatever, wherever you're at, hit subscribe. Make sure you follow us on social media at MyFi Podcast everywhere. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, all the things. We're there posting about episodes, cool conversations about music and whatnot. So make sure you follow us there. And uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this, man. Let's get into it. All right. Glad you're here. It is a great conversation that I have with my friend Sons of Silver today, um, Pete, Brina, Kevin, and Adam uh, from that band. Uh, it's a great conversation. You're going to love it. Um, and in light of uh, kind of the supergroup um, moniker that I think that they are much deserved of, um, having members, you know, been in Skillet and Candlebox and Pete RG and all sorts of great rock bands, uh, I want to talk about a few of my favorite supergroups of all time. And, um, yeah, and then we'll hit a uh, record of the week, record of the episode, and then we'll get into the conversation. Uh, so, uh, maybe, maybe you have some super groups you love. I thought about some people, some, some groups that were a little off kilter, more modern, like the dead weather, um, as, uh, the lead singer, um, Allison, uh, I can't remember her last name from the kills, uh, and Jack White's in that group, the good, the bad, the queen, um, um, with Damon Albarn from Gorillas, and I mean, there, there's like some great uh, modern sort of super groups, you know, of producers and writers and artists and all that sort of stuff. But I went back and kind of pulled a few. I think of my favorite, and the first being Velvet Revolver, great rock band, late '90s, early 2000s ish, featuring members of Guns and Roses and The Cult and Stone Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots, um, Matt Sorum who was in The Cult and Guns and Roses. Uh, Slash and Duff, obviously from Guns N' Roses. They had a great record called Contraband. I think they released a second album too. I can't remember offhand. Um, but great band. Great band. I'm glad that they formed because those records were were uh, super fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, you should go listen to it. Uh, maybe maybe you remember that, those guys, but that, that band was awesome. Um, next up, Traveling Wilburys. Um, some, some people have never heard of them, and I, I don't understand how um, Traveling Wilburys were incredible. Uh, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynn, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, and George Harrison. I mean, how can you not write great songs? You know, those guys, I heard a story one time that, uh, George Harrison, Bob Dylan, and Tom Petty were writing together. Um, and, uh, George Harrison got up to go to the bathroom or something. And Bob Dylan leans over to Tom Petty and says, uh, Hey man, that guy was in the Beatles. <laughs> like flabbergasted that they're in there writing, you know, with one of the Beatles, which is, which is pretty incredible. Um, next up Adams for peace. Maybe you never heard of this group before. Um, it's a side project from Tom York from Radiohead, uh, which in this episode, we talk a lot about, uh, Radiohead, um, with, with the, the great folks and sons of silver. Uh, but Adams for Peace was a side project that had Tom York from Radiohead, Nigel Godrich, who was the producer on all the Radiohead records, as well as Flea um, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, a couple couple other great studio session guys as well. Great, great record. I think they only have the one record called Amok, um, but it was awesome. And I hope they do something else. Uh, and last but not least in my list of supergroups today, my favorite supergroups, Temple of the Dog. You've heard me talk about this record quite a bit. Temple of the Dog um, was a project that was meant to honor Andy Wood, who passed away as the singer in Mother Love Bone, another great Seattle band. And members of Soundgarden and Pearl Jam came together and wrote and created this Temple of the Dog project. They had a big MTV hit uh, with Hunger Strike and Say Hello to Heaven, Reach Down. There's some great songs on that album. If you never heard it, you should absolutely Absolutely, go listen to that Temple of the Dog album, um, and I and I guess like in the vein of like Radiohead and side projects and supergroups. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I just want to feature this. So the record of the week is uh, the Smile, the band The Smile. The record's called A Light for Attracting Attention. If you're watching on YouTube or Spotify video, um, uh, I'm holding up the LP right now. Uh, it's incredible. came out last year. It was one of my top 10. If you listen to the bonus episode I did about the top 10, my top 10 records of 2022, uh, it was in that episode. 
And uh, it sounds awesome on vinyl. It's a great record all around. Uh, you should go check it out. It's just Tom York, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, and Tom Skinner plays drums on the album. And then they do a lot with orchestras, like there's uh, horn sections and, and string sections and all that sort of stuff. But it's just a beautiful record. It's still a rock record in my mind, um, but it's really, really orchestral and beautiful. And I think you will absolutely uh, love it. So, so go check that out. But today... On the show, have my friends in the L.A. rock band, the supergroup Sons of Silver, Kevin, Adam, Pete, and Brina. Uh, we get to talk to all of them. Uh, at first, it was just uh, um, Kevin and Pete and I, and Adam got on, and, and then Brina joins in later, and they're in the studio. Uh, Adam was kind of remote, too, So, but we had a great conversation. They're an incredible band. They released their debut EP in 2020. They released another EP last year called the Ordinary Sex Appeal EP, and um it is uh, fantastic. Um, reminds me, I say this a couple times in the episode, there's bits and pieces of it that remind me of The Clash, and there's definitely like punk rock undertones, but just like straight rock music. And we talk about that a little bit too, like bands that were not like alternative rock or punk rock or Southern rock or whatever, but just like rock bands. And this record has that feel to it. It lives in a lot of spaces and you can hear a lot of influences on it. It was incredibly captured, just well recorded. You guys know, I've, I've talked a little bit before about how much I love like the sonic quality of albums. And so, um, so yeah, I just, you should go check it out. They got plans for a full length album that's coming out in 2023. They're almost finished with it. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, they're getting, uh, plans together for uh, a tour. Um, and they've played a lot, you know, and stuff, but, um, uh, they're going to do an extensive tour, hopefully with this record and, and make it all over the U S and, and the world and, and share all this good rock and roll music with people. So if you haven't ever heard of them, go check them out at sons of silver band on Instagram. They're just facebook.com slash sons of silver. You can go to sons of silver.com as well and get connected to everything they got going on. Um, and yeah, enjoy this conversation I had with my friends in sons of silver. I love it. I love what's up, guys. Welcome to the show, Sons of Silver. Good to good to have you guys. Thank you, man. Good, good to be here. Good to be here, Lee. Yeah, awesome. Kevin, Pete, Adam, thanks for being on the show. Um, are you guys all out in LA? You're all on yeah. the West Coast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh I, I talked a little bit in the show opening about supergroups. Um, American Songwriter magazine uh called you guys a supergroup. I would say that too. Um I was a massive candlebox fan growing up um i have i have the first record on vinyl um and uh, i actually got it do you, you guys remember those little um the bmg like club columbia oh, house yeah, yeah definitely yeah like 12 tapes for a penny or whatever yep, it was yep. back in the day i got the candle box record on that and i i actually i grew up with with uh i bought the first skillet album on cd uh Oh, wow. when, when I was a kid and, uh, you know, first two or three records there. And so, I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of you guys work individually. And when I found the sons of silver, uh, record, I was just blown away. Um, thanks man. Thanks. Man. Yeah, thanks. for real. The, um, uh, I, I made some notes earlier today just so I didn't mess it up, but who's going to stop. has got some serious like clash vibes and, um, there's a lot of like kind of punky stuff in there. I don't know if that's intentional, but Definitely some undertones of that too. And uh, Cause My Pain is probably my favorite. The bass groove on that's just fantastic. All that sort of stuff. So I'm a fan. Uh, I love it. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So are, are all you guys from LA? Did you grow up out there? Where, where each are you from? I think just Pete's actually from here. Yeah. I'm, I'm the only one born born and raised in LA, you know. Um, Brina... Brina grew up in SoCal from the time she was like three on, but she was actually born in Africa. Oh, wow. Um, her, her mom's African and her dad's American. And, and uh, you know, so she, she was born in Kinshasa, Zaire at the time. Wow. Not Congo, Republic Congo. So, but she grew up in, in, in the SoCal area. Um, and then these guys can speak for themselves, but I'm the only one from here. Yeah. Wow. Now, where are you guys from, Kevin and Adam? I think Adam and I both. It's a lot of places for different reasons. <laughs> But um, I was born in Colorado, and I lived, I mean, honestly, all over the place. New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, Virginia, just something else in there. Utah. Nice. Utah, yeah. My dad was in construction, so we moved around for that. Yeah, kind of the same thing for me. My dad was uh, Navy, so we were all over the place, a lot of overseas. I was born in Scotland, uh, moved back to the States for really the first time when I was about nine or so. Um, So all over the place, same thing, man. Trekking the world. (laughs) 
Nice, nice. Did you but guys grow been, up? Been, oh, go ahead, Pete. No, we've all been. Every, these guys have all been in SoCal for oh, a while. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Once yeah. you get the weather here, it's 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 tough. It's you know, you, mm, there's yeah. a price in your homes, but but the weather is it's pretty worth good. it. Worth it. Pretty nice. Good. Now, did you guys grow? I guess I'll, I'll direct questions to you guys just so so we can you know keep the conversation going. But uh, Kevin, you you grew up in a musical family. Um. Not really. Well, kind of. My dad had a huge record collection and he knew really great stuff, but he didn't play anything. Well, he apparently he plays drums, but I've never heard it. I think <laughs> he did play some drums. And I have a cousin who's a, a pretty good guitar player, too, actually, but not not really. No. Do you remember any of those records in the collection that like you remember listening to and going, man, this is amazing? Oh, definitely. I mean, the number one would definitely be Dark Side of the Moon. Nice. He would come home most nights, take a shower after work, turn off all the lights and listen to that. Um, he was a big fan of all that kind of stuff. A lot of moody blues. Oh, nice. Um, man. Good man. Marshall Tucker. Which yeah. Great guitar players. Um, he knew really good guitar players, for sure, and exposed me to that early on. Nice. Well, uh, what about you, Adam? Did you grow up music? Uh, kind of the same as Kevin. My, my, again, my dad was a massive uh, record collector, and he had everything from rock to jazz to classical. He was a big hi-fi guy. Like back in the day, um, you didn't go to the store and buy a stereo system. You actually built them from kits back in the 50s and 60s. So he would build his own stereos, you know, back with the tubes back in the day, his own speakers. And so he was a big audiophile and loved stuff. And same thing. I mean, I snagged. Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, a whole bunch of stuff out of his record collection. I'd say probably when I was a teenager, probably half my albums were his that I had pilfered and borrowed for indefinite yeah. periods of time. Yeah. Nice. Was there one band do you remember from back? Was it Pink Floyd for both of you guys? Or was there like one band that you were like, this is the band that, that like I, I listened to and I went, I, I have to do this. I have to play music. Well, probably before that thought even occurred to me, I, I would say it's the Beatles. I mean, we, we listened to a lot of Beatles in the house when I was a little kid. Um, but yeah, Floyd, I mean, any of those bands like that. And then I found Zeppelin on my own and Queen and, you know, just started working my way up yeah. from there all the way up to whatever was current at the time. Yeah. What about you, Pete? You grew up in a musical family or around that? or I, No, I did. Both Both my parents were musicians. Uh, they actually had a band together uh, here in here in LA, and they they toured the West Coast. Uh, my mom was the lead singer. My dad was uh, bass player, and uh, he also wrote a bunch of the songs. So they they passed that off to me. So I I, I had pictures when I was you know a couple years old with my dad strumming the guitar, uh, and you know we have recordings and stuff that are around you know on a cassette even you know, cassette recorders at the time. Just uh, you know he and I banging on something together and me sort of you know squealing along as a little kid so yeah and in fact there's a, a a rumored story which my aunt you know recently verified that my mom they actually played a show at the troubadour here in la which is oh, one nice. of the famous clubs and my mom was uh it was like two two three weeks before i was born so so um you know that that's what i was i was born into and, and then my, my parents split up my my stepdad was uh an avid record collector he had thousands and thousands of of uh of records and he played drums and sang as well so it was around from the beginning for me yeah nice Brady just jumped in here sorry to oh, your nice. me a little hey. <laughs> <laughs> glad you made it the whole the whole group's here now yeah here i'll get over i'll get behind but uh right, glad you so, so yeah that's what we we how we grew up Awesome, man. And obviously, I mean, usually when bands like this form with people who have so much experience and records with other bands under their belt and people they've, you know, groups they've been a part of and written with and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of a journey. Like, what what was the makings? Because the, the Ordinary Sex Appeal EP is the second EP, right? And, yeah. And you guys are working on stuff now uh mm -hmm. obviously this this year um so I, I would love to hear like how did you guys even get together in this the whole thing start with sons of silver because the first ep came out in 2020 like in the middle of the whole mess yeah we mm -hmm. decided you know to just jump in right away but no yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically it's simple as adam and i have been working together for quite a few years so we were in another band called last december which was uh you know a pretty we had pretty good amount of success here in, in uh, SoCal, the West Coast. 
and a bunch of stuff on TV. And then, you know, uh, we, the band got chewed up and spit out by the, by the label system, but he and I stayed very close, you know, continuing to, to play, especially in the studio. And that's, that's about the time that, that, that uh, Adam joined Candlebox. And anyway, and on that process, I, I was in the studio a lot producing different acts, you know, in particular. And, um, and I got bored with that, just, just being in the studio, just recording other artists. So I, I, I had put together a few new songs working with Brina, who, who jumped on at, at the time as my engineer before, before we were married. And, um, and so I, I, I started playing some acoustic shows. I was bored playing acoustic stuff by myself. So I dragged Brina into it, semi kicking and screaming when you, when you <laughs> And yeah, uh, I like to be the silent engineer. And, and, and we, were, yeah. we were both bored together. So then she, Brina's like, hey, just call Adam, ask him, maybe we can put a band together and play a few shows and that'll be that. So so I called up Adam. Adam brought in and Dave, uh, Dave Cruzen, and uh, Dave brought in Kevin and we were a band, you know, and it's, this, this is the short form of the story, but it was, it was pretty quick. And uh, next thing we knew, we were not playing local shows. We were playing around the country, you know, 40, 50, 60 or more shows a year. Did wow. a bunch of opening stuff for Candlebox for, for uh, you know, several weeks, actually a few months at, in different different chunks. And uh, along that way, it went from what started out as a, a sort of a singer-songwriter process where I was bringing in the songs and we were sort of finishing up together where we started jamming and, and um, writing songs together from the beginning and, and it turned into a, a, the rock band that we are now. And, um, and that, that sort of uh, required us to, to change the name, by the, by the way, we're calling ourselves Pete RG, RG short for Argeropolis. And, um, and we rechristened ourselves sons of silver. And, uh, you know, we were basically recording our, our first album together, uh, just, slightly before the pandemic and and we were we were hesitant to release it but we figured let's just get it out there and get things rolling and so that that's where it that's where it's at so we've really played very few shows actually uh, under the sons of silver name hmm. um we're chomping at the bit for that right now but um yeah that's how we came to be and it was it was pretty really a very seamless, seamless pro yeah. process very yeah. a lot of chemistry um adam and i you know have again have had a lot of time together so that that was a really good foundation for us um and and we've i would say we've always worked well together i'd say he's probably one of the most important few people in my life so awesome. that's, that makes it a lot easier yeah you did it you did it adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, the, and, and honestly, the, the the fact that we've all done things and the experience with amongst everyone in the band um, allowed us to find our sound, allowed us allowed us to find our, our writing stride quickly, because um, we already had been yeah. through this process before. It wasn't new to us, so we knew how to get right in yeah. and head for what we were looking for. And after that, it just takes time to find your style and your sound that you that you like. But we were we were writing good stuff pretty much from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think like listening to the Ordinary Sex Appeal EP, it's not uncommon. I feel like for guys of your caliber who've been playing music, you know, as long as you have for like the instrumentation and the songs to be great, but the chemistry of the record's pretty impressive. And awesome. I, I, I was like, man, I, I, I can't wait to, to hear a full length. You guys, I know you're working on something. How much can you, can you talk about, um, you know, what you're working on this year? We're, we're actually finishing up an album right now. Um, full length it, it'll be a full length yeah nice. and um it's taken a little longer because uh the challenges of having a two-year-old at the studio yeah has <laughs> cut down on our hours a bit and yeah yeah you know yeah. but uh we started we're the almost done we started the recording pro well we started really working on the songs in the middle of last year and uh you know, um, we had a couple hiccups along the way. One being that, that Dave, uh, Dave Cruzen left the band mm. and, uh, and we, we have a new drummer, Mark Slutsky. And, um, and that actually was really a breath of fresh air for us and a lot of new energy. And, and, and it was, Dave was, it was Dave's time. You know, he, did, he didn't want to be in, in, a, in a band any longer. Sure. Or is, is, he didn't want to have that level of commitment. So it was, it was, uh, it was tough for us, but it was actually really good because, uh, you know, we needed someone who was really committed. And, and so that took some time then to bring in someone else. And it actually didn't take too much time, but still took some time. Sure. And, um, 
And uh, we then went and you know started rehearsing up songs, played a show, and went to the studio in uh, you know early middle of December, cut a bunch of tracks, picked it up after the holidays, and you know we're probably in our last few days of, of doing overdubs right now. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, we, we may even have a, a single out um, in a couple months from now, um, the first single. But but yeah, it's, it's, it feels good to have, I, I'd say speaking for all of us, it feels really good that we're going to have a, a full length as well. It, it, it felt like it's time to do that. Yeah, and, um, yeah no doubt. That, yeah, that's it. It's, it's been a lot of fun, though. That's awesome. Kevin, how'd you hook up with these guys? Um, well, I, I, as Pete said, I had been in a couple of bands with Dave Cruzen before this. Oh, so nice. He called and asked me if I would want to do it. And I didn't know anybody else at that point. My honest answer was, yeah, man, if you're doing it, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. And, uh, luckily, it all, it all worked out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you guys got tour. Is there tour plans? I know you said you hadn't gotten to play live together. Are you putting something together for 2023? Working on it right now. Basic, to, basically, yeah. everyone's waiting for uh, the uh, the LP to be done or, ne- or like nearly, nearly done uh, so that they can assess where to put us, who to have, have us open for. Because really, we're looking for opening slots. We we don't want to do our we're, – we're not ready to headline the, the level of tour that, that we'd like to be on. Sure. Uh, so – so that's that's what uh, we're waiting on, and, it, and we we're we're staying patient with it because it's got to be the right, um, it's got to be the right place for us. Yeah, Otherwise, totally. you know, we can wear ourselves out. Yeah, totally. Brina, Brina, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you missed this question. Did you did you grow up musical? What what were the first like musical memories you have? Oh yeah, I uh, I well I've been a singer and um, play keyboards since I was a as you know, very young. Um, so I'd say, uh, my voice is my main instrument, um, and keyboards and piano second to that. Um, but I was a hardcore music goer and I went to shows like every week growing up and it was just a really big part of my life. So, um, yeah, I'd say both to that. I went to shows all my life, uh, especially more like kind of punk rock, indie rock music. And, um, and it's just a really big part of who I am. Yeah. Do you remember what your first show was? Yeah, actually, it was the specials. <laughs> the specials <laughs> AK, I guess you would say. <laughs> nice. a really cool show. <laughs> That's one of my favorite questions. Kevin, what, what was your first show? Uh, um, oh, you know what? I think it was, uh, I don't know if this counts, but I lived in, in Philadelphia for a while and we went to a Sixers game. And after that game, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince series. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Like five songs. And I thought that's officially that my qualifies. first show. That's yeah. pretty cool. They were yeah. brand new. That's crazy. That's the stuff. That, that's pretty legendary. You got to see them that early. It's kind of cool. I begged my dad to stay. He's like, we're out of here. I was like, come on, man. One song. <laughs> that's fantastic, dude. Yeah. Um, yours, you know, I, I saw uh, a, a bunch of different bands, but as far as like really big, um, like known band, I think, uh, I think I saw Sticks in Maryland, and then uh, when we were in Alaska, I saw Ozzy at a high school. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. That was that's my good, first really big hard rock show. Ozzy at the I think it's West Side High School Auditorium. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Who was like, playing? Who, yeah, who was with that, him? That was man, my I question. I missed Randy Rhodes by about a month. This was um, I, I didn't uh, even know who was playing guitar for Ozzy, to be honest with you. It was just a fluke that I happened to be there. And I got in because they did two shows that day. They opened up an, an afternoon show, so they bounced a bunch of extra tickets. So I got in on that. And it was Brad Gillis that turned out to be who I had no idea who the hell he was because it wasn't even in the press yet. It was oh so God. soon. It was like, like the beginning of right, May. Right. And I think Randy died at the end That's of March. So. Oh my gosh, yeah. man, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's uh what was yours, Pete? Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I, I think it, you know, the first notable and like non-club one, because my dad my dad and mom, especially my dad, took me to a lot of like club shows and stuff mm-hmm. as a as a little little kid. We're talking like <laughs> six five, six, seven years old, even maybe younger. Nice. Um and uh but Elvis Costello. So I was Oh my god. Up. That's a good one. I was still I was still really young, uh, and uh, 
Yeah, I, actually, I still remember that show. But but one of my favorite stories is that we were, you know, he took me to see U2 Springsteen when I was really yeah. young, you know, and they're all when they were just bubbling up. But one of my favorite ones, and he, he brings it up to a lot too many times because it hurts. He's like, remember when we went to that Clash concert? I'm like, oh. I'm like, no, dad, remember I couldn't go. I, oh. and I, I fell asleep at the lax. I, I was young. I was seven, you know, eight, maybe. And, uh, and he goes, no, you went, he goes, we, we were getting, I said, remember dad, you got me in the car and I fell asleep. You had to bring me back inside, get one of your friends to come over and babysit me. And you went by yourself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, Oh yeah. He goes, you really screwed up. You should have been at that show. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's only one of my two or three favorite bands. Uh, well, that's funny you say that. Cause I, I mentioned earlier, you know, I feel like there's vibes of that of that underlying punk rock through that whole, the whole EP. But like I was listening, just had it playing in the background this morning while I was working on some stuff. And, um, the, who's going to, who's going to stop. I went, man, this kind of sounds like the clash or the Ramones or something. Like there's some like deep punk rock vibes on the whole record, you know? And I hear it. I think I hear it most in the space of the production and the bass guitar. Like, you know, there's just the way this, the dynamic of it works. And there's not a lot of records, I feel like, where there's as much space as there is in the EP, which makes when it rocks, it rocks. And when it when it's chill, it's chill. And Thank so you. the, the amount of... It's nice. Yeah, the amount of space in the production, everything, just it sounds like a rock record, which is not common, you know, nowadays. And so there had to be something lighting you guys fire to go, no, we just, we want to be like uh, a rock band, like a... a a really original, a really heartfelt, you know, stripped back rock band. Uh, what what was the inspiration for all that? That that pretty much. Yeah, I mean, know, like, yeah. we just want to be. Uh, uh, you know, you guys help me out, but, but bottom line is, we want to be the pe- you, we want people to hear the people who are playing in that room, and we want to be in the same room together. Hmm. And, and, and we have, there's a lot of interaction that's going on between us when we're working up songs, uh, trading of ideas, trading of expressions and emotions, you know, and one of, for instance, one of the important things is, is everyone, you know, I, I, I'll be scatting lyrics and melodies as, as we're working up songs and, and everyone wants to know if it's unclear, that is what, what I'm saying, because they want to get the idea, they, they want to let that emotion, you know, impact what they're playing and then bring it back to me. So, so at the end of the day, you know, there, there's a lot of production and wizardry that goes on in music these days, which is, which is great, but, it, but it's, it's almost in, in our opinions, if I may speak for all of us, it's, it's uh, gotten, it's become a distraction and, and not just from the sound itself, also the humanity that's, that's, that exists in music, that, that, that music, the people have loved for not just the last several decades, but for centuries. Mm-hmm. So we just want to sort of it's it's like coming getting back to our roots a bit you know uh but 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 just just present in a very straightforward fashion and and one of the nice side effects of that or you know i don't know if that's the right term but best things is that then when come people come to see us live we kind of sound like the record not because we're playing everything exactly like the record but because the fundamental presentation sure. is just us being who we are playing the instruments we play obviously things will evolve as we as we grow as a band but that's that's our starting point but I also think it's like Peter was saying earlier, we started off playing very different music altogether and just by chemistry and everyone's individual tastes, it's landed there. It's not yeah. like anyone said, hey, let's start a rock band. It just mm-hmm. kind of happened that way because of all of our yeah, various influences. Yeah. And you know, we all love, I think all of us are uh, very moved by guitar driven music, also other mm-hmm. stuff, right? Um, but I... Uh, so it's just kind of naturally where we landed. And uh, I think we've all been mindful, like Peter just said, of not cluttering it, of keeping it pretty much true to if you came and watched us, you would. Yeah, hear it's it. really hard to do. It, it, it is. But, yeah. you know, the, the big thing I think is the way we uh, write and create songs and do everything. It's, you know, just us in a room. So you've got two guitars, bass and drums. And so you can have that space and that patience if everybody is really aware of making each part that they play to be an important part. And it's not just filler. You're not just playing along with the song. You're actually contributing. And so if everyone has important parts, you don't need to add 40 extra overdubs of different things to try and get melodies and lines to pop out. We're doing it with the core of the band. So it's already kind of baked in. 
so you don't have to dress it up afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, very true. Yeah, so. I was talking with an artist recently that, that I was working with, and it seems like in, uh, I don't know, pre, pre-1998 in rock music, I'm, I'm making that time up, but like it was a lot less layers of people doing less but more significant parts and yeah. and now it's like a lot more layers of people doing more but less significant yeah. parts and right. it takes yeah. like like you know 60 tracks in pro tools to make what it used to be like 17 or 18 tracks 60 know, tracks to, from what we're hearing it be, would be a yeah, small it's session. a pandora's box you know? because it, you know you were limited back in the day if you go all the way back to the days of tape most people had 24 tracks and you could bounce things and do that yeah. but like you, there's just so much available now and people are doing things on their own without any real producer or things. So I think they get carried away. And I think when you're insecure about what you've laid down, then you keep adding to it and adding to it to get it to where you want it to be rather yeah. than starting with a, with a great riff or a great part that stands on its own. And I wonder if that has something to do with people not tracking. 100%. Anymore. Like just, Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, you know, it's amazing how many times we've been asked, you know, as a rock band. So do you guys, not only do you live in the same town, do you actually record together? And we're like, yeah, of course. We all get in the same room together. I mean, the only one who's not in the room is Brina, who's in, you know, who's in the control room yeah. overseeing, you know, the, the recording because our, our engineer. She's playing well. a different instrument. Yeah. yeah and so, and, and, but she'll sit there on talk back. Yes. No, that's cool. We need a little more of this, or we, we all discuss this going on. But again, back to the thing, people, I count more, they're telling us 80, 90% of the artists, even for rock bands are recording rec, making records that are, they're not even in the same room. They're just passing on the pieces. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, how, how can that, how can that really work to make anything that's just got, you know, the sweat and the people, the communication, the humanity? I, I don't get it because, I mean, like you watch some of these even old recordings when people were in the studio, everyone's there. They're all feeding back. Oh, if you're going to do this, well, I'm going to do that. Oh, you're going to do that. Well, then this person's going to change to this. That's mm -hmm. how it happens. Otherwise, you could be layering a stack of poop, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's one of the, one of the things – one of the things I, I noticed, like when I threw the EP on, um, I, I'm always a, a big proponent, like for myself personally, and man, a lot of great music's made a lot of different ways for sure. But when I throw a record on, I go, do I trust this? Like sonically in the first 30 seconds, I'll go, do I, do I trust this or not? And, I, and a lot of the records I, I, I feel that way about have something living about them. And they may have been tracked a certain different way, but I do find myself gravitating towards those band records. Like I did a, a piece of the podcast in an earlier episode uh, about like my favorite like sonic records, like just the way they sound. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of them was the uh, the Buckingham Knicks yeah. record. It's great. Uh, and yeah. you can't listen to it anywhere. It's not on streaming services. Like, dude, if you don't have a copy of that, mm -hmm. you, yeah, you can't. You can't listen to it. That and the Temple of the Dog record are two that I go back back to that I just go, they just sound so good, you know. And and I love like you know, half a song into the EP that you guys released. I was like, man, it's a very trustworthy <laughs> record. Thank you so much. That's that's yeah. a great compliment. Yeah, really. no, no bull crap, man, for real. Like top to bottom, it just sounds great. And I think that matters to people, even if they don't understand the technology or the science behind or the techniques of record making and all that sort of stuff. Like people know when they trust something or not. And I think that's why records, you know, connect with people for sure. I absolutely. I thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I, I must add, I have a just a quick 30 second story on the book. Yeah, yeah, please. So the, the, uh, through the person uh, Adam and I actually met through as, as a producer, his name is Peter Love, and he was the protege of a very famous producer, Keith Olson. Yeah. Keith Olson brought uh, Buckingham and Nicks with Fleetwood Mac to make, you know, the, uh, that, that, the lineup that we all really know as Fleetwood Mac. And, and Keith Olson went on to produce other acts such as ACDC, White Snake, uh, Pat Benatar. Everything. And so, so, <laughs> yeah. so. So my the first publishing company I had sent me to work with Peter Love, this uh, protege of of Keith Olson. Peter was working with Adam, introduced me to Adam, and that's how how we met. Along this process, uh, I was working at Keith Olson's studio all the time, and and got to the point where I was there so much and so late. They just gave me a set of keys, taught me how to use the alarm and run the studio, and that was that because I was driving nice. crazy with the hours. 
And in one point, you know, they showed me where the tape vault was. I could store my tapes. I started going in there and seeing, you know, all these different acts, their their tapes on the wall. And I figured, eh, I'm going to pull a couple of these off, flip them on the oh, machine. Oh, yeah. Sound like So I did that a few times with, with the Buckingham and Nick's tapes. Oh. And I remember when that studio was shutting down, no one was claiming these tapes. And I was thinking to myself, maybe I should just take these. If anything, if anyone <laughs> wants them back, I'll, I'll give them back. I'll even ask yeah. if anyone, but I, I didn't, but... But yeah. but uh, yeah, it was actually pretty cool to listen to the to the uh, the tape on on some of that stuff. Yeah, to nerd out like there's certain records that Buckingham Nicks. I remember the first. It's like little things like the way the hi hat sounds on that record, and like just there's like certain things I go that just sounds so good. I could listen to the hi hat soloed on that record. Like, I, I, I don't I don't remember what songs with. I just remembered how remarkable they sound, especially the the yeah. vocals were just yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Keith knew his stuff. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Do you guys, uh, I mean, talking about records, Will, do you guys remember the first album that you spent your own hard-earned money on? Ooh. Like, I know you listen to, like, your parents, you know, Pete, and all you guys were talking about, like, your dad's record collections, your parents' stuff, you know, that you'd kind of just kind of steal for a bit. But do you remember the first stuff, like, you opted into, like, you spent your money on it? Hmm. Mine was uh, Weezer's Blue Album and Radio Ahead. Um, I actually think it was uh, OK Computer. Nice. That was money well. well that was money, well, money well spent. Yeah. Well spent. Yeah. Actually, just somebody bought me for my birthday the the repress of OK Computer with the extra LP with all the oh, really? stuff. Yeah, yeah and I, I haven't gotten to it yet because my birthday is just last week, so I got like fifteen vinyls and I, I or you know I've been listening through the new records and stuff, and I haven't gotten to that yet. So I'm stoked on it. That's a great That's record. Sound great, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. What, yeah, what, what you, Kev? I honestly don't know. Um, I have memories of walking to Walmart to buy a few things, but I'm not sure what the first one actually was. Um, what was one you remember? The Candlebox record was one of them, though. <laughs> the Candlebox album? Uh, hey, hey, also a great Sonic album. Hey, yeah. and, an, and another thing I'd love to say uh, about, I'd say it about Sons of Silver, I, I have thought this about Candlebox. Um, there was two bands from that era that I thought about. Candlebox and this, and this band called oh, yeah. Brother Kane. Damon Johnson. Oh, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Brother Kane was a little bit more like in yeah. the Southern rock vein, but like coming off the years of hair metal, there was like the grunge thing, but there was also like just yeah. a rock thing. It wasn't like an alternative. It was just a yeah. rock thing. And there were bands like I couldn't, Candlebox was one of those bands. I couldn't put them in a category. I'm like, got great guitar solos, but there's like a Southern thing in there, but there's also just like a East coast thing a rock thing in there. There's also like a punk thing. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Was that like, Oh, go ahead, Adam. Oh. I, I was going to say, it, it was, uh, sorry, my, my, I had to hit an alarm here and I can't find oh. the app back again. Okay, there we go. There he yeah. is, there he is. Um, yeah, you know, because they were, they were never really a grunge band. It was really a blues-based uh, rock band, if you will. So it didn't fit with that and it really wasn't a part of the scene. It just happened to start in Seattle. And you're right, that rootsy thing. I mean, Brother Kane really had that. You know, Damon Johnson was again another bluesy bass, rootsy guitar player who, and who now he still tours with Brother Kane, but he's playing yeah, guitar just for Skinner right now. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Brother he's the Kane was just here for Skinner. Yeah, uh, I think of uh, another one of those bands for me was Driving and Crying, even though oh, they were yeah. like a, a Southern band, like they were just kind of a rock band, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, there was a whole movement I think of bands that people forgot that had great sounding records. But well, well that was the I one agree. thing when the when the nineties came along and people talk about you know how how Nirvana changed everything and the whole grunge thing. But really, what it was is I think that by the end of the eighties, it had gotten so contrived and and the the hair metal scene, if you will, the LA music scene, it started to become a caricature of itself, and it had gotten so superficial that really aside from the grunge thing and, and that is it just brought back reality music it was a lot more rootsy it was a lot more honest i think so those bands yeah. fit into mm -hmm. that as well even though they weren't part of the grunge movement necessarily it just opened up a lot more um real raw music i think yeah and you know i had uh had todd kearns on an episode i don't know if y'all know todd i do know um, todd uh yeah, he uh, plays bass for Slash and Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators and a mul Bruce Kulick and a multitude of people. He's a Vegas guy. But he was saying, like, uh, there's a whole train of thought that uh, grunge had nothing to do with killing hair metal. It was Guns N' Roses. I, I right? agree. 
I'm on board. I was I was actually about to say that. Adam and I have talked about this. It started with appetite. Yeah, they yeah. fired the first shot of that. That was the yeah. first really like dark um, band, you know, that came out and were like, you know, we're going to talk about real shit, maybe some unpleasant shit, but it's going to be real. Right. And it's not going to be, you know, fluffy. Hey, we're going out and partying and drinking and getting laid. And that's all we're about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he made a statement. Point, about, I believed those guys. You know? Yeah. 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 He made a statement about them. Like they were the first band that was like cussing on their record. Like, and didn't care about radio or like whatever. It was just, it was like the, right. you know, the rock version of like what maybe like what NWA or something did, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and they just, you couldn't help, but know that was gonna, that was yep. gonna change it. That, that was one of my first, um, uh, appetite and hysteria, Def Leppard and, uh, Bobby Brown. Don't be cruel was also in my first few. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but do, well, do you guys remember Pete? Do you remember what your first was? Uh, well, first I would say Bobby Brown was a heavy hitter, you know, Dude, but uh, <laughs> no pun intended. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, best, best joke of the episode right now. My <laughs> first um, album, I, I really don't remember. You know, I think I actually, I think I was at a used uh, record store and I bought a Monkees record. Uh-huh. I oh, nice. God. And, and I remember awesome. I brought it home and uh, my dad saw it and was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and we quickly went to, um, to, uh, to buy some Beatles albums. You know, this is long after the Beatles had broken up, but you know, the, the, all the, all the monkeys reruns. So he, he, he saw that problem. But aside from that, I think it may have been, I think it may have been uh, a U2 album, you know, perhaps um one of their first albums or two and then i, I was actually wasn't a big record buyer strange as mm-hmm. i was i play i was playing music but i wasn't a big record buyer um but it, it was probably one of the first u2 records it was probably my favorite band so nice adam do you remember yours um yeah you know i mean i had tons of records as a kid you know the things my parents would get me for for stuff but when i i taking money that I got like birthday money wasn't really hard earned, but, uh, (laughs) uh, there was one summer I ended up with a bunch of cash and I went to the record store and I came home with the first three Van Halen records, uh, Pete Townsend's empty glass and clash London calling. That was a really happy week for me. Oh, God, that, was, that was a <laughs> yeah, good, geez. good outing. It was a great yeah, game. it really was all, all records. I still enjoy to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Do you guys, I know this is such a hard question, but I always throw it out there because we end up talking about like really inspiring things. And one of the things like the whole purpose or like reason that the pot that I started this podcast, my fights, not high fi or low fi, it's my fights. It's the story of how like music has affected you, you know, and the things that have influenced you guys as artists and musicians and songwriters. And uh, I know it's so hard, but if you had like your top three, like albums, all time stuff you gravitate back towards. And, uh, I know it's a wide ranging question, but I always love to throw it out there, uh, because it's typically, there's always a couple, you know, that maybe people gravitate towards. Um, but there's usually like one or two that people have never heard. And it's one of the reasons why people listen to the podcast is they always find out about bands or they're reminded of bands. They forgot about, find out about new ones, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, I don't, whoever can go, but what are like two or three records that you're like, no, that's always going to be, top five, top 10, you know, for me. I, I think I can do it real quick. It's really hard because the bands are, or the albums I'm going to mention, you could probably throw the in band's entire catalog in there. But if you're going to sure. go three, I'd, I'd go, um, i go Dark Side of the Moon, maybe Zeppelin 3. That one it could be any of those. And i go Radiohead the Bands. Nice. Mm. Really? You put Radiohead the Bands on there. I'm proud of that one. I didn't know, man. Oh no! I, mean, no I, I can listen to that record anytime, anywhere. I had no. I mean, I, I feel like I know you like the back of my hand. I did not know that. <laughs> wow, that's that makes. I I love you even more now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's hard. Um, you know what? The Verve's Urban Hymns Ooh. like is huge for me. That was partially because it was in this crossover period for me from being like dream theater obsessed like shred guitar player yeah like i i got that record and okay computer at the same time and like reassessed my entire existence <laughs> you know, as a guitar player at least which is sure. like wait a minute 
this is very cool. And then honestly, pick a Tom Petty record. Pick Maybe one though. Pick flowers. one. Probably I'll do the flowers. All right. You got a third one coming? Um, did I do two or three? I can't remember. Did Did you count OK Computer as that one? See, I, yeah, I would count. Okay, computer was my second. Those those two urban hymns together oh. were a a big deal for me. Nice. You, you go because I'm still thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm with Kevin. Definitely, okay, computer. Although you could pick any other Radiohead. Totally. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. early on. So definitely, uh, okay, computer, and um, I. For me. Um, the two earlier Pixies albums were really influential. Influential, nice. So um, those those are pretty big for me, and uh, and also the Clash, um, probably London Calling. Um, that's the one with, I think, like one of the first ones I got. So I mean, those either, are good. Either, picks. either that, or those I are. would say uh, equally Miles Davis, kind of blue. Oh yeah. That's you should put that on there because because you listen to that one a lot. I listen to a lot of jazz too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have a favorite just being the engineer? Like, do you have a favorite engineered record or like something that you, mm-hmm. yeah, that you're just like sonically drawn to? Um please don't say Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually I actually don't. Um I mean, there's a lot of different songs that I have. Like we have on our computer, we have a, a Spotify list mm-hmm. of like references to always go to um and that's ever evolving um i actually yeah i don't i know that for me i used to uh i mean not used to but i really appreciate t-bone burnett's sounds oh yeah he gets some really great sounds that um and i've always loved those sounds but uh and i also like uh there's so many i mean i like the way chad blake uses distortion um yeah, I don't have any one particular album though. Lots of different songs to reference. Yeah, totally. That's cool. That's very cool. All right, Pete, we've given you the whole time to think. <laughs> okay, there's a clear, there's a clear number one. The clear number one is U2's Joshua Tree. That is okay. hands down my favorite album, bar none. Um, and and I could I could throw in some of their albums as ties with that almost, you know, like sure. more, for instance, or Octum. But but second. Uh, Clash is London Calling, and nice. that's a pretty. And I, I, you know, I shouldn't say that the uh, Joshua Tree is a is a clear winner because Cla- Clash is London Calling is a it's a close second. Third is where it starts getting a little murky and dicey, and I feel like I'm <laughs> sliding some of my favorite artists by leaving them off the top three. So if ever they see this video by that you know that that chance, and I leave them off, please don't take offense. But I would probably have to say this as a musical influence. It's a tie between the Benz and OK Computer. And uh, since we have two picks for OK Computer here, I'll go with the Benz. Nice. So, well, you got two Benz, too. You got see, two and, Benz and, now. Yeah, well, right now, we've just unraveled the mystery. What is the common thread of Sons of Silver? And it is radio <laughs> head. Radio radio head. Head. With the clash, a close second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, uh, listening to the record, I media, I'm telling you, I've said it twice. I'm like, the clash, Like, there's punk rock in here. I never would have picked... I never would have gone, oh, there's Radiohead stuff in here. Maybe the full length. Maybe it, the full length. There's all kinds of Radiohead what? undertones. I was going to say, and, and frankly, we have a number of, of B-sides that uh, I think we're all very proud of that haven't come out simply because we've just um, tried to stick to some of the more rocking stuff, So, but but stuff that would definitely fall uh, well within you know that umbrella of this, the slower Ben stuff or the slower OK Computer stuff where Kevin in particular is really – having some fun with guitars. Yeah. Love it. Um, you know, also, also, you know, um, Dave, when he was still with us, was playing some really cool sort of groovy drum stuff. And Adam, you know, sort of, sort of sewing, the, you know, bringing them together. Um, you hear it most in the, in the breakdowns. Like that's yeah. when we get to have a lot of fun. And Kevin's like a master genius with all the amazing layers of sound effects and just, things you didn't know a guitar could do yeah it's really good at that yeah so and now i will say this once we're actually out in the road we'll probably introduce that one when the time is appropriate we'll introduce some more of those things that we but it's just you know as a new band we got to stay sort of concise right now um 
and uh, but but yeah, I we this was a learning experience. Thank you so much. How much do we owe you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I appreciate I appreciate all you guys being on the show. This has been a fantastic episode, and if uh, if you're listening, you never heard Sons of Silver, go check them out uh, at Sons of Silver Band on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook, all the social stuff. Um, SonsofSilver.com uh, is a website, and you guys, they're in the studio working on a full-length record, but Ordinary Sex Appeal EP, the first EP from 2020, all that stuff's out. You can go listen to now. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, thank you guys so much for the time and for the music. I'm stoked on this uh, full-length uh, record. That's Is it going to make it out in 2023? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, it has to. No, we'll, we'll we'll make sure to get you in advance of it. Excellent. Yeah, that, that would be that would be really fantastic. I appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great time, and hope to see you on the road soon this year. Get out to the East Coast. Yes, thank we you. Where, where are you at, by the way? We're in uh, Atlanta, just north of Atlanta. Oh, nice. Georgia. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, we, we love it out there. So awesome, awesome. Man, appreciate you guys being on the show. Thank you for having us, thank Lee. You. Talk to you soon, man. You be well. You too. Man, what a, great, what a great conversation. Great chat. Uh, I love talking to people who love music. And uh, we're fortunate on MiFi. All our guests have this passion for music. And, and uh, Sons of Silver is no different. And uh, if I can just say, you know, I fanboyed a little bit. But if I could just say, Candlebox was a big deal for me. So getting to talk with, with Adam was pretty cool. I remember I got that on cassette when I was a kid. And uh, listened to that record like, like crazy. And, uh, so sometimes you just, you get to chat with people who have made some piece of art that's really significant to you. So I'm, I'm, uh, that was pretty cool getting to, getting to chat with Adam and Pete and Kevin and Brina. They're all just brilliant and love music. You can just kind of tell when people really love what they do and they love what they're doing. And, uh, it shows, it shows in the music and the songwriting and, uh, and everything. So I'm looking forward to that full length record. Make sure you check them out. Sons of Silver Band, um, on Instagram, uh, sonsofsilver.com, facebook.com slash sons of silver. Uh, and then look up the, uh, ordinary sex appeal, uh, record as well. I'm sure you can get there from the website, sonsofsilver.com and all that. Make sure you give them a follow, stay connected. Cause that full length record I'm sure is going to be fantastic and look for those tour dates as well. Uh, probably the website's the best way to keep up with everything they got going on and find out about when they can be touring in your area. So, and, uh, before you leave, uh, hit subscribe, make sure you subscribe wherever you're at. Follow us on social media at my five podcast everywhere and go check out the website, my podcast.com for a bunch of past episodes. we got some great episodes coming up over the next three or four weeks. Some awesome guests lined up. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we hope to, to see you then. But until next time, have a good one.